Praise the Lord. Amen. He does not make mistakes. And he's not going to start with me. Praise God. I love that song. It's one of my favorites. It's a truth that I have to tell myself daily. And I'm not a mistake. And God has not made a mistake by creating me the way that I am and who I am. And to do what I'm doing. I know this is the perfect will of God for my life. No matter how I succeed or fail in it, God has not made a mistake by putting me here. Amen. I know I'm a preacher by the call of God, not by my desire. I'm a minister not because I want to be, but because I have to be. It's the will of God for my life, and it's non-negotiable by the Spirit of God. In the beginning of all things, God saw me and created me to be this. And uh, it's best not to argue with God. Amen. It's good to know the call of God on your life. And if you don't know the call of God on your life, I hope that you first find God and get born again. Be saved and know who God is. Know who your creator is. And then go to him. Be filled with the Holy Ghost. Ask and receive the Holy Spirit. And by receiving the Holy Spirit, open up your mind and your heart and your mouth unto God and seek him. Seek his face, seek his word, and desire of God an answer for the will of God for your life. Especially in this day and age, there is no time to waste. There is no time to waste between salvation and being filled in the Holy Ghost. And there is no time to waste by being filled in the Holy Ghost to stepping and walking into the call of God. Amen. And it's a good thing to know the call of God on your life and that it is irrevocable. You can't have it taken away from you regardless of your actions, your failures, or your successes. And the desire of God is going to be for you to succeed fully and will give you the grace thereof to complete the mission that He's placed in your heart by creating you, by creating your circumstances, by creating the earth that you live on and you live in and your life. I just want you to open up your Bibles if you have one or you want to follow along to 1 Samuel chapter 17. We'll be reading a familiar story here about David fighting Goliath. And I want to bring out some things to you that I believe God has laid on my heart. I believe that God desires us to take a few things from this scripture. I know that he's desired me to take these things and to begin to let them develop in my heart and into my mind to bring revelation of the time and the season that I'm in. I'm caught between two titles for this message. One of the titles would be the purpose of the secret battles and the other would be thy servant kept his father's sheep and there came a lion and a bear. I would like to read in 1 Samuel chapter 17, starting in verse 34. And if you would like to follow along with me, I'm going to read a few verses here. And then I would like to go over and recap this and just tell you what God has laid on my heart for you to know. Amen. Verse 34, And David said unto Saul, Thy servant kept his father's sheep, and there came a lion and a bear, and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him and smote him and delivered it out of his mouth. 
And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. Thy servants slew both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. And David said, un, said moreover the Lord that delivered, forgive me, that delivered, let me find my spot here. Let's, reading it from this phone here. I'm sorry. It's all right. We're on live. You have plenty of time. You're sitting at home in your comfy clothes. I'm the one in the suit suffering. Amen. Praise God. Forgive me. I hit a button and it messed it up. Technology. Amen. Just the best. He will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said unto David, Go, and the Lord be with thee. And Saul armed David with his armor, and he put an helmet of brass upon his head. Also he armed him with a coat of mail. And David girded his sword upon his armor, and he essayed to go. For he had not proved it. And David said unto Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not proved them. And David put them off. Put them off of him, and he took his staff in his hand and chose him five smooth stones out of the brook, and put them in a shepherd's bag, which he had even on a scrip. And his sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. And the Philistine came on and drew near unto David, and the man that bare the shield went before him. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him, for he was but a youth and ruddy and of a fair countenance. And the Philistine said unto David, Am I a dog that thou comest to me with slaves? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give thy flesh unto the fowls of the air and to the beasts of the field. Then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. This day will the Lord deliver thee into thine hand, and I will smite thee and take thee thine head from thee, and I will give the carcasses of the host of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. I want you to understand that he's giving a declaration to Goliath. He's saying, not only will I kill you and cut off your head, but also the host of the army that is with you, I swear on this, my Lord, that I will slew them as well, and the carcasses will be feasted upon by the fowls of the air. And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. And it came to pass when the Philistine arose and came and drew nigh to meet David, that David hasted and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand in his bag and took thence a stone and slang it and smote the Philistine in his forehead, that the stone sunk into his forehead and he fell upon his face to the earth. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone. 
and smote the Philistine and slew him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore David ran and stood upon the Philistine and took his sword and drew it out of the sheath thereof and slew him and cut off his head therewith. And when the Philistines saw their champion was dead, they fled. And the men of Israel and of Judah arose and shouted and pursued the Philistines until thou come to the valley and to the gates of Ekron. And the wounded of the Philistines fell down by the way to Shereem, even unto Gath, unto Ekron. Father, I just come to you in prayer and I thank you, Lord, for the opportunity and the ability, God, to preach your word, to preach, God, even in circumstances such as this, Lord God, that, Father, even though, God, we are scattered abroad, Lord God, most of us in quarantine, God, and even hiding from the rain tonight due to not being able to drive into this service, God, we trust, God, that your spirit is with your whole body, Lord. Father, everyone that hears this, God, Father, this word that comes forth, God, let them hear your anointed voice, God. Let them hear your revelation, God, that has come from the throne room, God. Cover me and hide me in the cleft of the rock, which is Jesus Christ, God. Father, that I might not be seen, God, but all of your glory might be shown. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I want to start tonight and give understanding of where I'm going with this. And I said that I was going to lead with two titles. I've not decided which one we'll see by the end of the message, which one sticks. But we'll just call it simply this. Amen. The purpose for the secret battles. The purpose for the secret battles. I want you to understand that David at this time was a little teenage boy, very young in age, but this was not something that hindered him at all. He had an understanding of God. He had an understanding of the will of God in his life. Samuel had come. He had already anointed him to be king. And in this time, David had spent not ascending to the throne. David had spent sitting on the backside of a shepherd's field, tending his father's sheep. Amen. And in the midst of tending his father's sheep, he finds himself face to face with many unforeseen battles. Amen. Any, anybody would read this story and many have, many have preached this scripture and even hit on these things, but I've never heard anyone go truly into depth about the true battles that this young man had to face at a young age early on. Now you understand this, that you have to know that in this time you would consider the lion and the bear and the battles thereof as insignificant when it comes to David because the story really brings to the forefront and great detail who Goliath is of the giant that he is the warfare that he's bringing against God's people so all of your ideology all of your, your vision in your mind everything you do when you read this story everything is brought to the forefront of Goliath the lion and the bear are a great side note but they are not something that you're caught in uh, as far as the story because of the bigness of Goliath but I can assure you friend that David never would have found Goliath in victory over him, slewing him and the Philistines and taking his head if he was never able to conquer the bear and the lion. The whole point of David mentioning this to Saul was to give Saul a little bit of comfort. Saul, you are the king. You've been anointed. You've been proven. You've been set apart. You are sitting on the throne in this moment. But listen here, Saul, who you are, and if you understand any kind of theology, the spirit of, thought of Saul is religion. Saul, all 
all of your faith is based on works and works alone. What can I do to be saved? God says do it. I do it. I'm righteous with God. David's mentality in the spirit of David is far different. Saul is coming here and he says, listen, God has told me to do certain things, but God has not told me to go face Goliath. So I'm not. I'm sitting in fear. I'm sitting and waiting on a word from the Lord. I'm waiting on something right now to get me to a place where I can move forward with this in God's kingdom. Amen. The will of God on my life. But Saul has been separated from God and will hear no word from him. But God in this time has set aside a man, a young boy in fact in this moment that says I'm not going to base your life with me and your love for me and my love for you on what you can do for me. No, no, no. I'm going to base my love for you and your love for me off of a relationship that I'm going to begin very early on in your life. David, I'm not going to allow you to be a tall man, a head above all the others, a good looking boy. No, I'm going to make you small. I'm going to make you look ruddy. I'm going to make you young and immature even in the ministry. Some of us would say, Brother Rafe, you started very young at 19 years old. I don't know that Pastor Jared really understood what he was doing making you the youth pastor at 19. You're barely older than the kids that you're teaching. Listen, I've had a talk with Pastor Jared and I said, if we had it to do all over again with knowing what you know now, would you put a 19-year-old over your youth? He said, absolutely not. I wouldn't. I've learned my lesson. I would never have done that. But I can tell you, God knows the time. He knows his will. He knows his plan and his purpose for your life. And here's David, a little ruddy boy. He's not a head above anybody. All he is is the youngest of all of his brothers. Even Samuel wouldn't have chosen. Man of God, hearing and seeing the vision of God, sees David and he says, surely, this can't be the boy. Surely, Eliab is the man. Look at him. Look at the comparison of him. I can tell you when I was asked to take on the youth at 19 years old, I talked to Pastor Jay. I said, surely, I perceive you not to be a wise man of God. Look at me. Look at me. I'm nothing. I'm nobody. I'm barely out of my sin as it is. And you're wanting me to take this position in war, warfare over the spirit, in the spirit, going into something that I have no idea what I'm doing. And he says, listen, I don't know what I'm doing either. All I know is, is I've seen God. I know that God has seen you and has chosen you. And I can't take away the... I can't take this away from you. It's just what it is now. Amen. And this is the same way with David. David didn't choose any of this. David didn't desire any of this. David, content in this field, watching his father's sheep, singing psalms and songs, and reading the praises of his God, and knowing he was fine with this. But God, could you imagine one of the brothers running to him? In 1 Samuel chapter 15 and 16, could you imagine one of the brothers running up to him and saying, David, make haste. There's a man that's come to Father's house and he wants to see all of us, but he's seen all of us and he's not happy with it. He needs to see you come. Come. Let him see you. Let him look over. Well, what, do you, what do you want? What does he want? I don't know. He's just come and said he's from the Lord. And David runs up and he comes. Minding his own business and he comes. Nobody would have chosen him. And Samuel says, kneel, son. This boy just kneels. And all of a sudden, he begins to feel the oil running down. Could you imagine the thoughts of David? Knowing, knowing what this means, but not understanding. This is a sign of royalty. This is a sign of anointing for someone that's great. Listen, I'm nobody. 
Many theologians will tell you in the, in the studying of Psalms that David wasn't even technically all uh, uh, related to all of his brothers, that, that his mother was an estranged woman, that he was a bastard child. You can read that and study in that, but that's not the point. I want you to know that even his own family separated him. He was the one, though all the rest were around the house, he was in the far off field doing the work no one else wanted. And it was all right with David to do that and to be that. David was fine with that but he finds himself now in the presence of all of his brothers and his father knowing who he is in himself and becoming something else notice this he becomes something else in this moment and in this time that he begins this journey of being anointed by God through the prophet Samuel he begins this journey not ascending to the throne the next day but in the course of almost a decade ascending to this position that God had promised him and many times you have to understand that even in my case where I had ascended very quickly I was born again I was filled with the spirit of God and found myself now in a position of ministry I find myself here and I'm, and I'm trying to seek out and find the things of God and the will of God for my life. It wasn't this way for David. It was, it was all right, son, stand. You are what you are now. You are the anointed king. You're God's chosen one. Saul was a chosen king by the people. You are the chosen king by God. Understand this. Something is coming in your future that you're going to be. You're going to be something. And I can tell you, child of God, and those that are lost that are listening to this far off, when God speaks to you and the anointing of God comes and your life changes forever, you are an outcast, you were a bastard child, you are separated from all things that were anything to do with this family. Now you are a king and a queen, a prince, a princess, an heir of Christ. You are somebody to God, anointed, separated. You're a peculiar one. You have authority. You have power. You have the Spirit of God. This is who you are now. But you say, God, I'm just a ruddy boy. Samuel didn't even take me with him to the palace. I'm back out here in the shepherd's field. What am I doing here, God? And I can tell you so many times, even now in this pandemic, listen, I don't want to preach off of this pandemic by this just this thing, because, but it's just the truth of right now, amen? I've been walking in this for some time. Listen, going to a ministry and not finding favor there with the people, with a man of God coming and telling us that we could not walk in the will of God any longer and being cast out. God, I thought this was your will. I thought you anointed me for this time. I thought this was the presence of God that led me here. I felt the oil. I knelt. I felt the anointing come. God, everything that's leading up to this. But now I'm on the backside of the field. And I'm not even with anybody. I'm still with the sheep. I'm nobody. I'm alone. I'm fearful. There's anxiety. I'm a ruddy boy. All of these things going through your mind. God, did I do something wrong? Did I not bow the right way? Did the oil not come on my head good enough? Did it fall a certain way, God? I don't understand. And even right now, maybe you're sitting at home and you're saying, I've not been able to make it to church. I can't get out of my car when I get there. There's a longing in my heart to be close to God. He told me I'd be this. He told me I'd be that. He told me I'd function in my call and my will and the purpose for my life. But it's been two months now and I've never felt further away from God. 
I've never felt further away from you, God. I play my harp at home. My sheep listen to the worship. They listen to the praise. I'm calling on your name, but I've never felt so far away from you, God. Oh, there was this great moment of excitement that I wasn't going to be alone anymore, that I was going to be taken from this field. But God, here I am yet again. A little touch, a little anointing, a little flame, a little fire, a little emotion, but it's gone. Why am I here again? And oh, great, here comes the bear. Listen, folks, this is real to me. This is real to me to go from a position and then to another position and then be taken out of the promise of God and be set on the sidelines. You're sitting on the bench. You're the water boy at this moment. But the promise of God is still there. And you're saying, God, what happened? I was on the course. I was from A to B, and now the bound this thing has come upon me. But not only has this thing that's come upon me sidelined me from the will of God, but great, here's the bear. I want to bring some symbolism to you to give you some understanding of this, amen? I want you to notice two things. The bear and the lion come for two things. They come for two things spiritually. The bear and the lion are, 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 are a... a a symbolism of the enemy. They're coming to attack the lamb. That's their sole purpose, is to attack the lamb. He's come to take your purpose. But more importantly, he's come to take your purity. The lamb is a symbolism of the purity. Listen, child of God, you're sitting at home today. Listen, evangelist. Listen, pastor. Listen, preacher, Sunday school teacher, worship leader, whatever you are, regular Sunday school goer, whatever you are in the will of God, on your way to the purpose and the promises of God, yet you're sidelined by a quarantine. You're sidelined by these, these unfortunate circumstances. You're wondering why God didn't just poof. Why didn't the church just meet the way that it is? Maybe you don't agree with your pastor. Maybe you don't agree with the governor. I don't care what it is, but you better be careful what you say and how you say it because the bear has come and he's coming to steal your purity. And in the midst of stealing the purity, you're going to put up a fight. You're going to say, no, no, devil. John 3.16 says this. Or the Bible says this, Joshua 29.11 says this, you're going to begin to fight. Just as David began to say, a lion and a bear came. And it grabbed a lamb, and in the midst of this, I ran unto them that I might knock the lamb loose of the lion in the bear's mouth. What does this mean? It means that I'm going to protect what God has so given to me. The purity of Jesus Christ's blood was bought at a price. And not only was it bought at a price, but it was given to us to take charge over. Your purity in Christ is yours to guard. If you want to sit at home in this quarantine and you're unable to come to the church and get to the altar and ask God for your forgiveness or ask God for forgiveness of your sin and your adultery and your pornography and your lust and your deceit in this altar, there's nothing stopping you from making one in your home and fighting for it there. There's nothing holding you back from this. Actually, the Son of God had come to let you know you did not need the building. You just needed the Son. He said the temple would fall, but 
don't worry. In three days I will rebuild it. Amen. The man Jesus Christ has come that the church might not be sucked down by a building but raised up in Christ Jesus. Amen. This is the goodness of God. But God desires us after giving us his purity for us to defend it. We find two different types of animals that come after David. And I don't want to get necessarily too far into this theologically or even symbolism wise. I want you to understand simply this, the danger that came with the bear. I want you to understand that David as a small ruddy boy had no defense against this type of bear. If you understand in the book of Kings chapter 2 I believe it is you'll see a story where Elijah was walking and his bald head was being mocked. Be careful those of you mocking the bald people. The she-bears will come get you. We see this in the story. There's 40-something children, amen, that were mocking this man of God. And in the midst of their mocking, these two bears, these two bears are the same kind of bear in the same geographical spot that David was tending these sheep. Two she-bears came out and annihilated and devoured over 40 children, probably ranging from the same age as David to maybe even older than him. This is not something to play with, folks. This bear has come to kill you. It's come to take your purity, one. And second, it's come to take your very spiritual life. It's not playing games with you. This is the big bad bear. He's not huffing and he's not puffing, amen. He's not going to blow the house down. He's come to set the house on fire. That's what he's come to do. But David, not being of himself any longer... Hear what I'm saying. David, not being of himself any longer, but now anointed king, given authority and power over all things. He's the ruler now. He's the man on the throne. This young man knew that he needed no throne to sit upon to tell him who he was in God's eyes. No, no, no. You come to take the lamb of my father. You've come to take my purity bear or lion in this time where we're sitting over here in the sheep's field. I say not today. I've come and I've knocked the purity out of your mouth. I've knocked the lamb out of the mouth of the bear and the lion. And when he turned his sights off of my purity and onto my spiritual life as he came what did he do he said I grabbed him by the beard and I smote him I smote him I want you to understand believer that your life in Christ let me get out of this jacket this life in Christ is not a life yes we are considered the lambs we are considered sheep, but I want you to understand that my Jesus is the Lion of Judah. I'm not as the sheep fighting. No, no, no. Jesus, my lion, is fighting. David knew as a young ruddy boy that he had not the power, but he knew that he had the authority. Understand. He understood that my father gave me strict directions. You go out there and you watch those sheep and you do what you're told, son. And when you do that, you're going to gain good reward. You're going to find favor with me. That's all David needed to hear because his heart was to find favor with God and his physical father he would have done anything anything to protect the purity one of himself but also his own life amen could you imagine a young boy coming in I heard this the other day could you imagine a young boy coming in and telling the tales to his father how was your day-to-day -day, son oh no big deal dad I clubbed a lion I struck a bear and I killed him 
He came to take one of your lambs, but I heard what you said in the beginning, and I would not allow him to steal from you or me. Oh, this is my love for you, Father. This is nothing to do with duty, for a servant would have surely run away, but this is no servant, no, sir. This is a son, amen, willing to stand and willing to fight. I want you to understand, child of God, that we are not sitting here powerless, but we have authority and power through Jesus Christ. Not a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of sound mind. Amen. And this is the goodness of God. That David saw this, and his desire to have a relationship with his father outgrew the fear. It outmanned, it outpowered the fear of the lion and the bear. And his willingness to go to protect his father's sheep was more than his desire to save his own life. Even if I die, I've knocked the lamb loose that he might live. I've knocked him loose, amen. And I want you to understand this. He goes on and he basically explains this to Saul and he tells Saul, listen, understand this. I fought the bear and I fought the lion. Let's read it for ourselves, amen. David said unto Saul, Thy servant has kept his father's sheep. Listen now. Saul, what you should have been doing over Israel, I've been doing. But on a smaller scale, understand this is important. He's telling Saul something. He's saying, Saul, you were given authority and power and rule over the sheep of Israel. And so was I. But understand, mine was in a smaller scale for this season. And I want you to understand the place that you're in is a season. The time that you've spent, maybe on the sidelines or sitting now. Maybe you're here in this moment, just like I'm here in this moment. I get to this place where I come back. God allows me to come back into the youth ministry and take the lead. And guess what happens? The coronavirus strikes. I get one time that I get to sit down with the youth group in this building. Now, 7 billion people affected every nation by the coronavirus. And the first thought that I have is, is God, am I out of the will of God? Maybe that went over your head. God, you let all this happen because I'm not supposed to be here. Is all this, you know what I'm saying? Jonah in Nineveh type of a deal. He just needs to go on to Nineveh, amen? The, boat is, the boat's rocking. He just needs to go. Throw him over. I'm thinking 7 billion people affected by corona. God, am I out of the will of God? That's the first place that I'd go. The first step that I'd take into the will of God that I believe is the call of God, stepping me closer from point A to point B, the promise, the anointing, the throne, if you're talking about David, and all of a sudden something happens and we're sidelined again. Now I'm saying, God, I'm telling you, if there's something in me, listen, if you're born again, you go through this. You go through a list, a checklist. God, is there sin in my life? Is there impurity in my life? Is there disobedience in my life? Is there something going on in my life that has allowed me to be in the position that I'm in? Is this just a lesson that I have to learn out of disobedience? If you're a good Christian and a good soldier of Christ, you will go through this list because there is nothing in you that wants just to be all fine and good, but at the same time you're unwilling to be in any type of sin or separation from God God you told me I'm on mission but now I'm at the barracks 
God, give me understanding of why I'm here. If it's me, purge me, oh God. Cleanse me, oh God. And understand, David had his fair share of this. But this was not the purpose in this season of his uh, uh, side trip, maybe his detour from going to the throne. No, no, no. This was a lesson in itself. God knew that David could not take the throne without fighting the bear and the lion. Amen. He knew that he could not ascend to it. He knew that David, like any man, just as Saul did, ascended to the throne too quickly without any lessons to learn. He was a prideful, arrogant man that stood up and said, I'm God's man. David never said that. David never said, I'm God's man. He was a man after God's heart indeed. But he never stood up and beat his chest and said, I'm the chosen one. I'm the anointed one of God. It's quite the opposite if you read through the Psalms. He's, oh, wretched man that I am. Oh, that I have found and even made a bed in hell to escape you, God. I want nothing to do with you. I'm so rotten, but I can't escape your love. This is the man that David was. But it was produced in him in in this season of life, are you with me? Do you understand what I'm saying? And just as David is in this season, so are you. You're saying to yourself, God, I thought you anointed me. I thought you called me. I thought you separated me for this. I see the end result. I see point A to point B. But just like David, some of us don't understand the middle ground. Amen. I heard him say one time that it's not the, the birth date or the the death date it's the dash in between amen it's the dash in between that matters has no problem no no necessary understanding of who cares when you were born and who cares when you died what matters is the dash in the middle what did you do with your life? What was done in your life? What were you doing? Was it in the will of God? Was it in the power and the authority? I'm not talking about permissive will in this time. I'm talking about the perfect will. David and anybody that reads his story would say that David is not in the will of God or else he would have gone to the throne. But I say the contrary. God saw David and knew what David needed to go through in order for him to be God's man. And he knows your life. And he knows what it's going to take for you to ascend to the place and the will of God and the call of God on your life. The saddest part and the hardest part is those of us that have been in ministry and those of us that are on sidelines right now because here we are questioning everything. Everything. Hear me. I'm questioning everything. I'm going, God, where did I miss you? Listen, when I was born again, I didn't care which direction God led me in. I didn't care if it was cleaning toilets. I didn't care if it was mopping the foyer. I didn't care what God asked me to do. I was just willing to do it. Little did I know when 19 years old when he was doing that, little did I know when I was spraying weeds over the cracks in the parking lot of a church going, God, I thought you called me to pastor a church one day. Little did I know the lion and the bear was in the midst of me and was fighting for my life and my purity but God in that season was teaching me how to fight he was teaching me how to fight for my life and my purity because there's nothing worse than someone who believes they should be something working for the church and they're not being fulfilled I guess we would say at the highest of their capacity it's hard to do that it's hard to sit there and go listen pastor listen preach I don't know if you know this but I'm somebody I'm somebody. This is a real, listen, this is a real thing for me. I don't know if you know this, 
But I had, I had seven brothers that got skipped over for me. I don't think you understand. Maybe you're sitting in your cave today and Saul's sitting in front of you and you're saying, I don't know if you know this or not, Saul, but you're sitting in my seat. Listen, understand, these thoughts and these motives are bears and lions and they've come to steal away from you the purity and the life of Christ in your life. Listen, you know what God was doing with David? He said, David, though you are good and though you are pure, you're still a man. And if I'm going to get anything out of you, I got to kill that man that God might live in fulfillment, uh, in fulfillment of you, that you might accomplish this. Listen, it wasn't the boy that killed the lion and the bear. No, 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 no. He says, God delivered them unto my hand and this Philistine will be no different. The victory's mine. It's already won. I just have to walk into it. I'm a nobody. When this giant is slain, guess what? Saul's going to say, let him not go back home, but still let him be the harp player. Do you understand? I'm still a nobody. No matter the bear or the lion that I kill or even the giant. How public the victory is or how quiet the victory is, I'm still a nobody. And David knew that he was a nobody. He didn't come and slay the, the giant that he might have sent to the throne. No, no, no. Listen to the verbiage. Listen to the vocabulary of this young man. He comes and he says, I will kill you. And I will kill all of your people so that all will know that my God is the God of Israel. I want you to understand that everything I do in this life is not that I might be glorified. No, no, no. I'm still a nobody no matter what victory comes. But my Jesus is everything. My God is all powerful. I'm only standing here today and I've not quit because of him and nobody else. Not because I thought if I just hold on a little longer, Rafe will get a position. If I just hold on a little longer the corona will be miraculously healed if I just hold on a little longer that church will pop up that I'm supposed to pastor that's not my mentality my mentality is God get me alone get me away from it all and let me see you because if I see you then you'll make me like you and when someone sees me again they'll all know who you are because I no longer live but you live within me God is not after you he's after a brokenness in you you. He's after the vessel. He doesn't want you to be put up on a shelf and glorified. No, he wants you to be broken. He wants you to be poured out. He wants your life to mean something, not for yourself, but for all of the glory of God. David being taught this, and I want you to understand, we go down to the very bottom of this, and I'm going to finish up here. Brother, da or Brother Russell, if you'll come. And I want you to understand this. Because I've just gone too long. I need to go ahead and close on this. But I want you to understand that we're not, we're not just something that gets to be a part. Listen, it just is. You understand? What God says just is. Goliath was going to fall because God had won the victory. God had won it. The, the giant was going to fall, period. David just happened to be the vessel that was willing to go stand and say, there's nothing that this man can say. All I know is, is he's dishonored God's people and he's dishonored God. And I will not stand for it. Not because I stand, but because I've been on the backside of this field. Listen, 
when the bear and the lion tried to steal away from me, what my father gave to me, I would not let them stand. I took their life. And now that this giant comes and it stands and it wants to take my father's glory, I will not let it stand. I can't believe you've let it stand. I can't believe you've let this go on as long as you have. But listen, King Saul sits on the throne. The religious crowd sits on the throne. And I tell you, you go on into this and you study this out for yourself. Saul says, don't let that young man go home. Don't let him go home. Let him come back to my throne. Listen, the religious crowd are going to see a few radicals in this quarantine. They're going to see life of God in your life because you're willing to go and enforce what God says is. And because of that, they're going to come. And they're going to say, won't you come and live and dwell in my house? Won't you come and be a part of this? But understand, that king, that religion is a very devilish thing. And it won't be long that they were inviting you in to sit at the table before that thing, that same thing is thrown spears at the very life that you brought to the house he invited you to religion is dangerous and that's why we cannot live under a set of rules and guidelines that God gives rather we have to live in a relationship with God that's the only way listen I've babbled about and I've gone on and I've gone all over the place but I don't want you to miss this that God through David listen David is not a I want you to understand this, that David is not just the forerunner of Christ. It's easy to look at David and go, that's Jesus. That's not the case. David is a man. And he's not a good man. You need to understand this truth, that David is a man and he's not a good man. Though he won against the lion and the bear, it took nothing for Bathsheba to bring him from his throne. It took nothing for her to do it. Listen, his purity and his spiritual life, his son, the very first son that he would have would be taken from him in consequence. Listen, it's after your life and it's after your purity. The lion and the bear, though it was set up to teach David to fight this battle, to be strong for God, to know that he didn't do this in himself, that it was God. The fight with Goliath, that even though he was going to be skyrocketed into publicity and, and this person that he might be would in its turn, even the caves, caves over the decades that he would run from Saul, teaching him to submit, be humble, to not act harshly and rationally out of emotion, all of these things could not teach him to turn away from Bathsheba. He is a man and he's fallible and you are too. I am the epitome of fallibility, if that's even a word, fallibility. Amen. I'm the epitome of that. I am nothing and David is nothing. But God saw something. God saw something. He said, there is, there is a boy. There is a girl. There is a man. There is a woman that has seen me for who I am. And they're not going to be persuaded on the sideline. They're not going to be persuaded by the bear. They're not going to be persuaded by the lion. All the circumstances. Listen, I could have preached three different messages on this. Listen, in, in a span. Oh, there's so much in this. And I, I just had to kind of cut it all in there. But I want you to understand, sitting on the sideline ministers, preachers, pastors, worship leaders, sitting on the sideline. Listen, this is the time. This is the time that God's going to allow Himself to come to you, even when He feels so far away. You know what the cry at my house has been for the past month? Is I feel so far away from God. I have praised, and I have prayed, 
and I have sang, and I have read, and I have worshipped. Oh, nonstop in this past month going, God, just draw near. And as I'm crying out to God, as I'm worshiping, as I'm praising, as I'm praying, I open one eye and here comes the, the lion. Here comes the bear. God, you already feel distant from me. I already don't want to do what you've asked me to do. I don't even feel like I'm being useful. And now this attack, listen, it's the drama. It's the backbiting. It's the offense. It's the deceit, it's the lie, it's the lust, it's the pornography. Listen, we're all on downtime. And none of us are exempt of the lion and the bear coming. All of us are set on the sideline right now. I talk with Pastor Jared. He's in, the, he's in the same boat. He's a pastor that can't pastor. He can't even get close to his people. Listen, it's like being thirsty and, 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 and you're thirsting to death and all you want is a drink of water and you just can't get it. I'm created for this. I was born for this. I was anointed for this. I was called for this. And I'm sidelined, God. And now I feel far away from you because I feel like I'm, I'm no good and I'm useless and I'm the youngest and I'm the most ruddy. And I'm all of this. And no matter how much I pray, no matter how much I praise, no matter how much I study your word and show myself approved and do the things I know I must do to see you, yet I still don't see you. I still don't hear you. I still don't feel close to you. I don't feel your warmth, God. God. And now here comes the bear and the lion and the Bathsheba and the Saul spears. All of these things, God, you told me I'd take the throne. Where's the throne, God? Where is it? And God's saying, get your eyes off the throne. It was never about that. It was always about me. All this time, everything you fought for, everything you've gone through was all to get you to see me. The throne isn't going to save you. It'll sit you ill. Can't you see your successor? Don't you see what it did to Saul? Do you see not how far he's cast away from me in this season? Is that what you want, David? I'll give it to you. But I don't want you to be like him. I don't want you to be religious. I don't want you to be cut off from me. I'm willing to let you go through hell that you might see heaven. And I'm unwilling to let you get anywhere outside of that. I'm unwilling to. In all of David's failures, in all of his successes, in all of his victories and ten thousands and cave dwellings and cape cutting and lion killing and bear killing and Bathsheba falling, you know what he said when someone came to take the throne? It was Absalom. If you don't remember his own son, he says, take it, son. I'll leave. I'll go back to the sideline. I'll go back to the cave. I'll go back to the shepherd's field because I never did it for this. I never did it for this. And you're sitting at home today. Maybe, they, maybe you're sitting in your cave. Maybe Absalom's come. Maybe COVID-19 is your Absalom. And it stole away your, your pulpit. It stole away your altar. It stole away your youth group like me. It stole away your mission. It stole away your passion. It stole away your promise. If you never feel one again, is it going to be okay? Because David didn't need the throne. God, I only came here because you told me to. That's the only reason I'm here. I'm not here for the throne. I'm here for you. I'm just here for you. And what taught him this valuable lesson? Or rather, it's invaluable. 
It's perfect. It's precious. It's priceless. Thank you, God, that I didn't ascend the pulpit to pastor a church right now. I know that's the end result, but God, if you come and you rapture your church away before that ever happens, God, I'm all right with that. Because it was never about that. I was just going to do that so that all the world would know that God is the God of Israel. He's the Lord of Israel. That's what I've done all this for. When I came home, what's so different about you, David? I killed the lion and the bear. Oh, God is real. God is, you're not the bastard son I thought you were. Coming off the fall with Bathsheba. Producing sons that would want the throne more than David did. Take it. I don't want it. I was never here for that. The lessons learned. This is why. Where are you at this evening? Where have you been at? You've been lonely? Have you been depressed? Have you been offended? Have you been backbiting? Listen, the bear and the lions, they've come. What's the purpose in this? That's what I've been asking God. What's the purpose in this? Purpose in the secret battles is this. So I'm not going for anything else. Thank you. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. I was consumed in this. I was so consumed in trying to do your will that I forgot you. Man, these are great things. These are good things. But I forgot you, God. Somewhere along the way, trying to please you, I lost sight of you. That's a real thing, folks. That's real. I do it in my life all the time. I just don't want to let you down. I just want to do good. Is that not all of the minister's heart cry or the Christian's heart cry right now? Listen, I can't even go tell my lost family that Jesus is coming back. I can't get close to them. I can't preach to them. I can't drive around off through counties to go and be with them and show them the love of Christ. God, what, what am I even doing here? If I can't go do that, isn't that what you sent me here for? No, that's not what I sent you here for, Rafe. I sent you here that you might be one with me. And when you accomplish being one with me, you're going to minister more in that place than you ever could trying to please me. Just be his. Just be, because that's, David, David just showed up to the show. He just showed up to the show with Goliath. I'm just here to bring cheese, man. What's that? A giant? Saul, don't you understand that I've, I've killed the bear and the lion for less than this? This will be nothing. God will deliver him into my hand. And David, just wanting to be God's, showed all of Israel and all of Philistine that God is the Lord of Israel. It was in his desire to be close with him that he annihilated the enemy and glorified his God. I want you to understand this last little part. And the men of Israel and of Judah arose when Goliath was killed and they pursued the Philistines until thou come to the valley and to the gates of Ekron. I want you to understand that Ekron means this. Total eradication. Total annihilation. Total destruction. My desire to be with Jesus is going to completely destroy the works of the devil. My desire to be one with God is going to allow me to win victories that is going to strengthen and encourage all those who are too scared to stand up 
in a time like this and say, who's with me? All the way to the gates of, of Ekron. Total eradication. Listen, the devil don't stand a chance if I'll stand. Not to fight. Not to do what God's asked me to do necessarily. That'll come because I just want to be His. I just want to be yours, God. That's what it's always been about. Whether you give me the throne, whether you give me the pulpit, whether you make me the pastor, whether you make me this, whether you make me... All these promises that ministers and Christians and minister and, and, and worship ministers, all these things, all these promises. Listen, the throne is never the goal. It never was and it never will be. It's Him. God, you're my goal. And God, I am going to be with you. I'm just going to be with you. If it's in the field, if it's in the palace, if it's in the cave, I want to be with you. Failure or not, ruddy boy or not, God, it was never about any of that stuff. I just want you. And I want you to be glorified. I want the enemy to be eradicated in my life and in my family's life and in this church's life. And it comes through one thing. It's not beating the giant. It was never about the giant. It was never about the bears. They're just lessons. You can't do it without me. You can't do it without me. Father, we just thank you tonight. We love you tonight, God. Thank you for showing us, Lord. Father, of everything we go through, the hardships, the struggles, the battles. Listen, there, there is a reality in my life, God, where my eyes get so focused on these things. Even the victory of them, God. I'm going to win this for my God. I'm going to steal back my purity. I'm going to overcome in victory over this bear, this lion, this struggle, this temptation. God, this offense, all of these things. I'm going to overcome them. And God, that was never your heart. I just want to look to you, God. Because it's you that delivers those things into my hand. It's you that conquers those things. It's you that gives the victory. It's you, God. And Saul said, who is this lad? Who is this young man that runs with passion? Oh, who is he that runs with such zeal, with such purpose? How is he so driven? All I see is the enemy. But God, I see now that David never even saw the, the, the lion, the bear, or Goliath. He just saw you. God, I'm running with purpose, God. I'm running with purpose now. Jesus, you, you, you didn't even see the cross. You looked past the cross and saw the joy which was set before you. Yes, I'll endure it. Yes, I'll fight it. Yes, I'll go through the pain. Yes, I'll go through the suffering to glorify my God, but my eyes were never on those things. They were always on you, Father. I love you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. And I ask now, God, where everybody's at, Lord, in their homes, God, wherever they are watching this, God, even, even if it's some time from now, God, Father, this doesn't just go away when the quarantine ends. This is every day of my life, God, that I feel separated, that I feel distanced from you, God. Father, I need you, Jesus. I need you, God. Father, I felt this way before COVID-19 ever came, and this is what you've shown me. This is what you've given me. This is all I have is you, Jesus. Help me, Lord, how fallible I am. I'm nothing, God, but a vessel to be poured out, God. 
Fill us up here. Fill us up. Pour us out, God. Use us if you will. But if not, let me just see you. Let me just be with you. Let me know you, God. Jesus is returning, church. He's coming soon. There's great fear in my heart. There has been for my family, for friends, for so many people. But I'm not going to win these battles. I'm not going to charge in with my sword held high, telling my family, you better turn or burn. God might use that. He might. But I'm not looking for that. I've been freed of that. I don't have to go fight this battle because God hasn't sent me there to fight it. Listen, I might just be hauling G's one day and my family might hear the goodness of God through a victory that I wasn't even looking to fight. Victory I wasn't even looking to win, but that God had already delivered into my hand and I just walked into it and people know the goodness of God. I don't need to look for it. I'm just looking for you, Jesus. I'm just looking